We stay together, we survive. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Stick together. In the name of unit cohesion. Cohesion. You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Olga Scutelli, Head of Culture and Engagement at Lilium. Olga specializes in developing and delivering engagement, internal communications, and diversity and inclusion strategies. Olga previously served as an employee experience consultant for global organizations like Rolls-Royce, Visa, and Nestle, where she transformed their culture and employee experience to drive business results. In this episode, Amanda and Olga discuss breaking down silos, nuances of language, and their hopes for internal communications in 2023. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. If you are looking to increase employee engagement, collaboration, and connectivity, Simpler is your answer. Learn more at simpler.com. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation between Olga Scutoli, Head of Culture and Engagement at Lilium, and your host, Amanda Berry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler. Olga, how are you? Hi, Mandam. Very well. Very well. I'm very happy that I'm here speaking with you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really glad you're here. I want to first start off and understand more about you. Will you tell us about your career journey and how you got to where you are? Yes, of course. So I've had a quite squiggly career journey or squiggly journey, shall I say. I started academically from law, so completely different environment, completely different area. And then my passion for communication brought me into marketing. So I started first from external communication digital agencies, direct-to-consumer marketing. And after that, I moved to internal world, if you want, the employee experience, internal communication, change management, and helping people navigate through any type of transformation and change, which is where I've been the last 10 years, really. My most professionally formative years, as I like to call them, have been in London, which is where probably I picked a bit of this accent that you're hearing Originally, I come from Greece. I then moved to London for my master's, and I ended up actually making this switch in my career into marketing there. Wow. What did you focus on in your law, the law part of your career? So first of all, it was a foundational kind of law degree, my LLB, as we call it, actually in Greece in Athens. And then I could see already signs that I wanted to somehow switch a bit. And I went to media law, intellectual property, and tried to explore that area. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you're head of culture and engagement at Lilium. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about Lilium and what you do there. So Lilium is a fascinating place with a very, very interesting vision, mission. So first of all, it's a startup, scale up, high growth, becoming publicly listed company. We listed in NASDAQ a year and a half ago now. So has already, you can see, has had an amazing journey and a very interesting progress. What we do is we're building the first electric vertical takeoff and landing jet, the first electric jet, essentially. So we're revolutionizing aviation, which is essentially how people move. So we are in the area of transportation, in aviation, and what 
we have been through as a company is we moved from being 400 people when I joined to being 900 people, which is where we are today. And from a local startup starting in Munich to an international company having 62 different nationalities, being in four different locations around the world and having experts from all over the world. So we've been through quite a journey, constant transformation, I want to say, and a constant really evolution of who we are, what we do and how we do it. I want to follow up a question about that. You said it's a vertical takeoff jet. Mm-hmm. Just Can you explain what that means? I'm just very curious. Yes, of course. So essentially the takeoff and landing of it is vertical. It doesn't have the runway in the same way that you know the planes to have, right? You know how they're going to move on the runway until actually they go up. So that means less space to operate, essentially, to go up and down. And it's just different technology in that sense. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. I can't wait to keep an eye on that. We're going to move into our first segment, Story Time. Welcome to Story Time. Story Time. Story Time. Let me tell you a story. You just mentioned your career background. You started in law, then you drew into marketing. What got you an interest in internal communications, culture, employee engagement? Like, how did you go from law to internal communications? So let me maybe break it into two. What got me into internal and what got me into communications? So what got me into internal in the world of employee, if you want employee engagement? I think, first of all, I was inspired and intrigued by that stat that I had actually read. I think it was a Gallup stat, actually, the 85% of people not being engaged into their work, not being engaged with where they are. And I remember thinking about myself, what a waste. What a waste for businesses. What a waste of energy, of talent, of skills. Because how much engaged, inspired, fulfilled people can do wonders. And so I was really inspired by all these untapped opportunities that made me feel that I have to be there. There's such a big opportunity to re-engage people with the business they've joined, with the industry that they've selected to work in, with the people that they want to do this with. And then the second part is kind of the communications, what brought me to communications. And I think the more I'm reflecting on that, the more I think it's the love I have for the power of words, how strong words are, because words do matter. And I feel that in my core. First, words do matter because they evoke emotions and emotions inspire behaviors. And behaviors essentially create a reality. So this is why words matter. And I think this is probably something that I had also as a law student about the importance of the words, the importance of the nuances of your speech and of what you say. Let's break that down a little bit. Lilium's a, a global company, right? You said from 400 to 900 folks and the different places it's located. I know this is an issue with tons of internal comms people probably listening to this in HR and just companies in general. You have employees all over the globe and that, that brings a lot of opportunities and some challenges. And you mentioned nuances of words, right? We talk about different components of this, but that nuance is such an interesting idea, right? Because when you have these nuances between different employees who may be geographically located or for whatever reason, these nuances, but they occur. And it isn't just everyone doesn't speak English. I want to be clear to our listeners that this isn't, if you've got employees in a different country and you primarily speak English, this isn't really what I'm addressing. It's really that idea of like meaning behind those words, this lost in translation. So this is really focusing on when there's language and the meaning of a word for one group means something different to another group. So have you experienced anything like that at Lilium? Yes, absolutely. And it's an 
very interesting area for me to explore generally for a professional perspective, but also from a personal perspective, because my own cultural background is quite diverse in the sense that I grew up in Greece. I then moved to London with some time also in being spent in France. And now I'm in Germany, working in 62 different nationalities. So I myself see this, feel this and observe this around me. So it's a really interesting one. First of all, the fact that we're talking about it is so important. It's important that we acknowledge it. These cultural differences that language and the words is just one way to see them, just one manifestation of those cultural differences, right? There are so many other layers of it. But language obviously is our tool to connect, our tool to communicate, our tool to work really and to interact. So that's why it's probably the most prominent and the most obvious. I think first of all, it's about understanding it and acknowledging it. And I think the second thing, which is absolutely critical, is about asking. I think in the in the professional world, the business world, there is one thing that I'm missing quite often, which is the curiosity to ask questions and the humility that also this needs and demands, right, as a prerequisite. You need actually to have this humility of understanding that you may not know everything or you may not understand everything or you may understand something different to what is meant. So. It's about asking the question, being aware that things that you say might mean different things to other people and ask the question to check that what you said has been heard the way you've intended it. I have some interesting, actually, examples about words that were meant in a different way, but I've realized through observation and talking with people that maybe they didn't land. I remember this word, hustle. Now, there was at some point actually used a specific time that we were going through some change actually in our company. And I remember it came from a couple of our leaders. And you know how quickly some words get picked up by other people and you hear them from in one meeting and the next day you hear them in three more meetings and you realize that yeah. this is the viral power of words, right? So there was this word hustle that came up. Yeah, like hustle culture. You got to hustle. We got to get this done quickly. Okay. Exactly, exactly. It's interesting that you say it's a, a bit of an American way, which I think <laughs> it, it is a bit more. But again, not putting labels. It just came up as a word. And as a European myself, I could tell that this is not a word that we are comfortable necessarily with. We don't know it. We don't understand it straight away. So I started actually hearing it around me and I could see people actually not feeling necessarily actually comfortable with it. They weren't sure exactly what we mean. There was a slight, slight kind of, in a way, aggression within it that wasn't what was intended. What was intended there was about taking ownership and taking responsibility and do things on time and take ownership of what you have to do, which is absolutely healthy and something that every business needs, right? But that small word was landing in a different way for people. So I think it was through observation and discussion that we very quickly suggested, actually, okay, let, let's change it. Let's break it down and understand what is that's behind it. Let's unpack it, essentially. And this is, I think, where the nuances are coming, because every word has so many things behind it. And we can choose something else to try and test. How do you discover that? I mean, I feel like in internal comms or anyone who works with leaders, when we come up with new values, I know that happens, it's happening a lot, or rebranding companies. And you come up with a word, it could be an innovation as a value or hustle or kindness. How did you get to the point where you understood that like, well, it means something different here, but help me understand how we can work through and make sure that we're being really inclusive and thoughtful when we're communicating words. 
first of all, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful question by itself to all have it all the time with us, d- despite on the environment where we operate within. Obviously, when you have 62 nationalities, you have to have that front of mind, right? You don't have the choice to, to think about it. But I think this is something that does worth keeping in mind always. First of all, it's about acknowledge the fact that not everything means the same to everyone. And again, this is not only based on the countries or the nationalities or that type of diversity. It could be like a word that just triggers someone or a word that does just does mean something different depending on the technical background that people have, right? Another buzzword of these days actually is the buzzword of Scrum, right? It means something completely different in software engineering, but then Scrum has been used, extrapolated from that environment and being used really everywhere. Scrum, even in, I don't know, hardware and even in culture, we are using actually that terminology here and there. So it's about acknowledging it and about knowing, being aware. Awareness is number one. Number two is about asking the question. And I keep coming back to it because that is, I think, a very big theme of everything that we do around communication, that we do around culture and engagement. It's about asking the questions and testing it, testing it with people. And as an internal comms person and I have engagement within everything I do, really, and culture as an outcome of everything communicate about we have our test beds, we know our influences, we know our barometers. I love some people, I shall call them, you are my cultural barometer. I know that if something doesn't sit well with you, it might not sit well with some of the people. And try to challenge our own blind spots. So people that come from a completely different side of the business or people who come from a different age group and just test it. And I think observation is key in everything we do as communicators, I think. Observe how people played back to you. I remember one advice that I had got from one of my directors years ago was that drop the word and see if it sticks. It should come back to you at some point through this whole kind of chain. At some point, you should hear it somewhere. You should see it in a deck. You would see it in an email. And this is how you understand that something is has landed. If he doesn't come back or he comes back distorted, then you understand that something hasn't been translated correctly. And then also through stories, if you ask people, how do you experience innovation within our company? Or we talk about collaboration. What does collaboration mean to you? That's another interesting one. Collaboration, I think, from it's not only cultural, it's definitely also organizational. From Different organizations mean different things. People think that they have collaborated by having sent an email or by having said, oh, I'm doing that. And that for them could mean collaboration. So asking the question on how do you experience it? What does it mean? Can you give me an example? This is, I think, how you bring out real impact of the words that you've used. Yeah, it's interesting. I I was just speaking with someone at a conference. You just reminded me of of something that they were talking about, about how sometimes when when these conversations need to happen, right? And sometimes if leaders come to an employee and say, Hustle is going to be one of our values. Let's just, let's say this is an example. How do you all feel about it? And you may have those feelings, but because people don't want to speak up to leaders, raise their hand and go, I don't really like that. It doesn't mean the same to me, that it may not get recognized. It's more when you get those peer-to-peer conversations. Interesting. Yes. Have you experienced anything like that as you've been working through some of these language nuance issues? Yes, of course. And you know what? It's so interesting that you're saying that because everything is in the power of the question, how you ask questions. And you yourself actually driving the podcast, you know that better than anyone, right? That the quality of the question almost determines the quality of the answer. So rather than actually asking, how do you understand it, which sounds 
a bit like kind of we're testing people, right? And almost like there is a right or wrong answer. It's more about from your experience, how does it feel? So start actually bringing in this more open conversations that allow space for this difference to be accepted. I think the space is very important, I think, for any type of diversity to be unlocked and used really at its biggest potential. I'm going to move us into our next segment, Getting Tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. I want to continue this, but I want to think about it a little bit broader, right? Because beyond language and meaning, barriers are created, and this can create silos, and it can be based on geographical location. You can have silos based in departmental silos. You can have teams within departments that are siloed. Just this idea of silos and sort of creating barriers around groups of people. But I want to dive into what happens when silos are created and sort of back up and then get some advice from you. Silos can be created within physical walls. Now that a lot of us are hybrid and working from home, it's interesting to see how that's been changing. But I'm sure a lot of our listeners can identify with that. You know, you can have leaders in a silo, right? The executive team can be a silo. I don't know any company really that's not risking creating silos as they're growing as they're growing geographically, as they're growing in terms of number of people. Silos is the number one, I think, risk as you're growing, that you cannot put all of your people in one room and talk to them at the same time. So they end up actually creating their small teams, right? Silos is a loaded word, but in reality, what that is, is groups. People actually tend to form groups, tend to form communities. And communities already has a much better ring to it, right? Because then you feel like there are people who they feel they belong. They feel they can be heard. They feel they have some similarities. I was reflecting on silos recently when I was doing a communications plan. It's an interesting concept because we often traditionally think about silos from a geography perspective, from technical roles versus non-technical, for example. You have your silos, like your divisions, right? Your departments. But especially in small companies, and even my last company has been very obvious and prominent because we were small and we became big. Well, we grew twofold. That's what I mean, right? Someone might be hearing this and thinking, well, 900 is not that big. Well, it is when you started from 400. And I realized that there are so many silos that are being formed also based on the proximity, for example, that people have to the leadership or proximity to the C-suite or proximity to the founders or silos based on the volume of information that people hold. So you have actually silos being formed by people who know and people who don't. People who know much more because they're closer to the decision makers and people who know much less. And I think for me, this is a very interesting balance, actually, to create the equity in the information, give access to everyone to the same amount of information that they need to get their job done and stay engaged, stay inspired and stay connected with the mission of the company. Yeah, I think anyone who's worked at even like a small company or a startup that have seen it grow right. can say, oh man, that's not how we used to get information. The CEO would just come out with in our seating area and just tell us and happen once a day. And now we have to wait for a monthly right. town hall. And I, I just don't feel like I know what's going on anymore. That's such a good point. And it comes with emotions, right? It comes with a lot of emotions because part of it is practical, as in I don't get to have access to the information as quickly as I used to. But part of it is 
I feel a bit out of the loop, where I feel out of the circle or out of the club. I'm not as in as I used to be. So again, there is another acknowledgement that this comes with some emotions and this is part of the journey and this is part of the change and the change curve that multiple people may be in. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen exactly what you're saying, right? Employees can feel very frustrated. It is a form of siloing, right? When you had access to information and, and now something's happened and it doesn't have to be something bad, but something has changed and now you don't have access to that information. People can get very frustrated and think that something's wrong or they've done something. But let's talk about that. So are there indications that when you look at some of the company, you go, oh, everyone here works in silos. Like, what does that mean? I think actually working in silos can take different shapes and forms and you observe it as you move through the organization. Obviously, there are the silos that people feel and they sense that they don't get information from other teams or they don't know what other teams are doing or they don't even know what the person next to them is doing. So you realize that people feel that way. They feel probably more segmented, essentially, in their own teams. But there is also the macro view when you see a company moving in different speeds and you see this one department moving quickly and doing great things and smashing their goals. And you see this other department being slow and probably their engagement dropping or feeling disconnected or feeling they don't understand exactly where the company is going, how it's changing. One of the tools that I use for any type of understanding how people feel and getting a bit of a temperature in their feelings is obviously an engagement survey. It doesn't have to be a full body engagement survey like one of the long ones. It can be just questionnaires or just a quick pulse, essentially, to your people. But I think once again, it goes down to the leader understanding they're making the connection they need to make company is a system, right? And if it doesn't work as a system, then you will see some holes in that. It's about kind of aligning with people around you. It's about actually getting different inputs from everyone. So I think silos can be identified, can be seen essentially and spotted straight away already when people don't work together, don't ask each other. Yeah, that's exactly what I've seen, right? Just terrible alignment. I, you know, you hear stuff like, I didn't know that was happening or I don't know what's going on in this department. And employee satisfaction goes down exactly what you're saying. That engagement goes down. And the interesting thing, this is the negative in a way. This could be seen as a negative result from growing and expanding and having many more people actually around you. But there's a beauty also in having many more people around you and growing. Because I know we, we, you spoke about the frustration, for example, that people may have that, I knew what was happening every single day. Now I don't. I'm expecting the town hall that's happening every three months. But there is a beauty in this kind of expansion, this growth, in the sense that you have many more people to give you input on things. You have many more brains to get insights from. You have many more skills essentially around you that you can tap into. And I think we tend to forget that. We tend only to see this as another hurdle or another obstacle. We tend to forget how the beauty of it. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you, one internal comms person to another, and a lot of our listeners come from internal comms. What are some things we can be doing to help break down these silos? Like, help walk me through that process, the do's and don'ts, and maybe your top three things that people can do to begin to break down some of these, because you hear this so much. Work in silos, we need to break down silos. What are some trend true solutions that work? 
I think as with everything is always there are two pillars. There is a system that you create. So you need to design the right system. Wearing my marketing hat, really, it's all about this behavioral change that we want to inspire. So you need to build a system to nudge people to collaborate, talk, and get to input into each other's work. And there is the other side, which is the behaviors. So you need to role model these behaviors. And once people see how collaboration looks like and how breaking silos looks like, people don't understand. It's quite a consulting jargon, break down silos. People don't break down silos. People just talk to each other or people just meet people from other departments or people just say, oh, I know Jenny from finance. Do you know her? People just say, you know what? I joined the football team and there are so many people that they had never talked to in the canteen. So people don't talk in the same way. They don't use the same terminology that we internal comms experts do. People just live their lives. So I think it's about creating a system that enables this collaboration to happen or sometimes actually not only encourages, but asks for it to happen. So cross-divisional or cross-trans-team, essentially, teams that get together, they solve an issue, or they get together and they pitch something to a client and bringing people together from different departments and teams in order to work on the same goal. Part of this, of course, is the overall goals of the company. There is one goal for the whole company that the company can feel that they rally around this one goal. I already see that a lot of times when we set divisional goals, we already create silos by just creating goals for each one of the divisions. So it's much better, of course, the central goal will be translated in divisional ones, but it's so much more uniting to have one goal that everyone is working towards, right? And the second piece about the behaviors, again, as with everything, it starts with leadership. The more leaders interact, connect, communicate, and align together, the more their teams feel empowered and inspired to do the same. Let's move into our last segment, Asking for a Friend. Who's asking for a friend? Hey, asking for a friend. We are leaving 2022 and heading into 2023. What is something that you are looking forward to leaving behind in 2022? <laughs> Amazing question. I think communications as a title doesn't do justice in what we do. I think we need to <laughs> reclaim our title and reclaim what is that we do in a company. So although it's not a trend, so it's not answering really your question about a trend per se, I think it's more like a macro trend of the, I would like to see communicators be part of the conversation and the decisions, not only the conversation after the decisions have been made. Because this is the power of communication in creating culture, in building engagement, in inspire people. And there is so much potential in there. So I think the trend I would like to leave back is this trend of coming to communications just to communicate. And it's about understanding that communications is much more than that. And the language and the words is just one aspect of it. Engagement is much more than communications, but communications can drive engagement. Oh, I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer. I think that's a really good one because I think what we've seen in 2022 is there's this huge focus on culture and experience and having us really lean in to work with and put experience, culture and engagement, 
HR leaders on a bigger level to help set the tone for a really good employee experience, what sets companies apart. It's all about connecting the dots. And that's what communicators are fantastic in doing, connecting the dots and seeing an inconsistency between what is being said, but also what's being done and reflected back. And at the end of the day, a strong employee experience is an employee experience that's consistent, that creates this safety, creates that inclusion, creates that space for people actually to come in and belong. Olga, I have one more question for you. What do you do to get better at your job? I mean, you've got a lot of great advice. You have a lot of wisdom. You have a lot of experience. If there are listeners out there who want to learn about more skills and better skills. What are you doing to learn and grow and get better at your job? Well, I throw myself into a lot of different things. I'm always raising my hand for a lot of different things that can bring me into new communities, talking with peers, attending webinars, attending workshops. I also love self-reflecting, but also getting feedback in order to reflect on what I do, what works, what doesn't work, what could be done better, could be done differently. That's a passion point of mine, also in my personal life, this kind of self-development, this piece of like reflect and do and talk and read and exchange and get other people's thoughts. I really throw myself in different things, events, situations, but I also ask a lot of questions and I want to have people around me to just talk and exchange. Olga, this has been so much fun. I've really enjoyed having you here today. And I hope our listeners pick up a lot of good advice and ways of thinking about silos and and language nuances. It's been incredible. Before I let you go today, we let our listeners know where they can find you. Well, I would love to connect with people on LinkedIn, Olga Scutelli on LinkedIn. And I think that the platform, I keep myself quite open, busy there. So you will see me posting a lot of things. So please reach out and I would love to connect. Olga, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. It was fantastic. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. Learn more about how Simpler can help you build the future of your employee experience at simpler.com. That's S-I-N-P-P-L-R.com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com slash podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.